Praise the Lord. God is good, isn't he? Yeah? We've sung some of the truths and we've confessed them. We need to confess truth, don't we? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the known truth that sets us free. It's the confessed truth that sets us free. Truth exists whether we believe it or not. It's there. It's unchanging truth. The truth of his word. The key for me is whether I believe it and confess it and trust it. Uh, sometimes I think I, I, I draw the shortest straw because um, this is a, a little mini-series in, uh, in uh, August about women in the Bible. And uh, there's Mary and, uh, and Martha. That's a, a good one to speak to. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's fairly good. I've got Miriam, and most of you would know something about the story of Miriam, but Miriam actually, actually means, the word name Miriam, uh, resentment, rebellion. So um, we'll, 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 we'll progress to that part of her story. Um, but really, when, when I, I, I first thought of Miriam, I thought that she had to live in the presence of true great men of God. Moses and Aaron, the first high priest of Israel. And she was the older sister of these two men. And she had to live in their presence. And for much of her life, though she didn't live in the, she lived in the presence of Aaron, but Moses, for the first part of his life, was brought up in the Pharaoh's household for 40 years. And then he, he, he scarpered off into the wilderness to Midian and was a shepherd for another 40 years. So, you know, this uh, relationship with Moses was um, reunited when she must have been about 90 years old. Um, but when she was living well in the presence of greatness, things went well for her. Um, sadly, there was a sting in the towel. It's because she was used in, in, in great ways. But finally, she was struck with leprosy and ends in a sort of obscurity. So there's a, a lesson for most of us. She was, she was special. There's no mention. And she was a, a rarity amongst the Old Testament um, saints in as much there's no record of her being married. According to the Bible, she appeared to be single. Jewish tradition may have said otherwise, but in the biblical reference, there's no mention of a husband or any offspring. So in that regard, she was set apart and, and special. And she was the first prophetess that we read about in the Bible. She sang the first song that we read about in the Bible. And she was a real person. A person of hope and despair. She knew terror and slavery. She knew freedom. She knew a place of prominence and she knew insignificance. And that's what I love about the Bible. That nothing's airbrushed out. Yeah. I think that I think we all agree that that adds to the authenticity of the Bible. 
if we were trying to read it, write a story about someone, there, there's lots of stuff that we would like eulogies at, 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 at um, uh, memorial services. It's, there's bits that probably are best not spoken about, yeah? And we tend to present, and that's quite right, isn't it? You're not going to get all the stuff out of the cupboard. And, uh, but the, the, it, it speaks of her in, in the, the full breadth of her life. And the first we read about her, she was a young Israeli girl, probably maybe 10 or 12 years old. So let's, let's read that in Exodus 2. And this is the, the, the passage that most of us would, would remember her for. Now a man of the house, so this is uh, Exodus 2 verse 1, Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, this is Moses, she hid him for three months. But when she could not hide him any longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch, make it waterproof. Then she placed the, the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance, this is Miriam, to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank, and she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? First mention of anyone needing childcare. Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. Hallelujah. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So Miriam was an instrumental in saving Moses' life. Pharaoh at that time, because of the, the threat, of because there were so many Hebrew uh, men around in, in his kingdom, and that they were multiplying at a huge rate, that he dis, dis, decided that all the baby boys would be slayed, slaughtered. And... Uh, that they'd be killed. So Jochebed, his, his, his mum, put him in a basket and the older sister watched. Pharaoh's daughter comes to bathe and sees it's a Hebrew baby boy. And uh, she was courageously, she stepped in out of the, the reeds and, and risked her own life and uh, offered that, that that child could be weaned by a, a Hebrew mother and uh, so the story that, that, that Moses is placed back um, with his mum and uh, ultimately given back to Pharaoh's daughter who took him as a son amazing story we know it really really well and Miriam was instrumental in, in all that um, 
that was part of the salvation of Moses, who was to bring the salvation to the whole uh, the Israelite nation. So she must have had a special bond then with Moses. Um, a man who was set apart to deliver and lead the whole Israelite nation into the promised land, Canaan. And she's separated from him for 40 years. She's a slave along with everyone else. Uh, Moses pops up after 40 years, sees a bit of a squabble going on between some, uh, some Hebrews and uh, 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 one of the Egyptians who's, who's minding the slaves. But in... The Egyptian gets killed, scarpers for his life, and ends up in the wilderness for 40 years. Another part of the story that we know, and he's there for another 40 years, so he's about 80, when the burning bush experience happens, and he hears from God. And uh, if you just turn on to Exodus 2, um, 23 and 24... During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery. And Miriam was one of those that groaned. And they cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob. So God looked on and the Israelites and was concerned about them. So you just imagine Miriam, 80 years, she's in her 90s now, and all that time she's been a slave, and it's been hard, they're crying out to God. Part of the way she must have felt was disappointed that things had had ended up this way. Her brother, who... She must have hoped something would come out. He would represent in Pharaoh's court their nation. He was no longer. He was no longer to be found. Frustrated. Helpless. And it was hard. She must have felt, where is God in all this? And I don't know if if you feel that there's times of your life when things have been pretty tired, hard. And you think, where is, where is God in all this? This hasn't panned out the way I, I thought it would. And so, as a, as, as, yeah, people did live longer, but she's still quite old at 90 when Moses meets with God. And Moses comes back and meets up with Aaron, his brother, and no doubt reunited with, with, with Miriam. And she begins to stand in the presence of greatness. A man prepared by God. A humble man, a God who would see God face to face. A man who knew God, who heard his voice and had been called. Aaron, the first high priest of all of Israel. A man set apart, anointed, special. She would be alongside a man of God who would stand before Pharaoh 
in bitter trepidation but with huge courage. She says, he's seen the ten plagues and the ten amazing miracles. She's seen the Red Sea par and everyone cross on dry land. She's seen Pharaoh's army consumed by the waters and an amazing victory. She's seen the first experience of water coming from the rock. She's seen manna and quail day by day from God. She'd seen the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke. She, she knew it all. She was, she was in that environment, having been a slave for 80 years. What liberation. What amazing to turn around from just cries unto God, desperate cries, to see the manifest presence of the glory of God. To see Moses and Joshua go to the, 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 the tent of meeting and, uh, and Moses go in and meet with God. To see Moses go up the mountain and come down with his face veiled and the instruction from God being given. How glorious. How glorious. How glorious for you and me that we we can still experience the same, same relationship with a living God. And the next time is in Exodus 15 that we read about it in verse 19. You can turn to that. Another passage that maybe you'd, you'd remember well. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophetess, something's happened to her. Yeah. Uh, Aaron's sister took a tambourine in her hand and all the women followed her. With tambourines and dancing, Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has highly exalted the horse and its rider. He has hurled them into the sea. Miriam, now the prophetess, the worship leader, a woman who was being followed, one who would dance and worship before God, one with a tambourine who would be singing songs of triumph, a prophetess, one would hear from God and tell others of the glory of God. One who would have the ear of God and would speak out. In those days there was no Bible, but Moses had yet to write the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. It was by word of mouth from hearing from God. And uh, in, in, in Micah 6.4, don't look it up, it is, I, God is, 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 is speaking to his people. He said, I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent you Moses to lead you and also Aaron and Miriam. Miriam was sent. Miriam was a leader. He sent Miriam to lead them along with Aaron and Moses. 
She was one special woman. She was sent of God. She learned to live in the presence of Moses and Aaron. We've got to learn to live in the presence of godly people and God himself and the Holy Spirit with awe, respect and to give honour to those faithfully served. She knew her place. She knew her calling and was happy with it. Sadly, things were to change. Turn with me to to Numbers. Chapter 12. Moses was now, must have been 82-ish, because they'd been in the wilderness a couple of years by now. And he took himself a second wife. Zipporah, his first wife, had possibly died. You don't hear about her. Um, but he marries again. And this really gets up Miriam's nose. Yeah? Uh, it's not put in those sort of terms in the Bible, but you know what I mean. Yeah? It upsets her greatly, this, this, uh, what, what uh, Moses has done. And Miriam and, uh, and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out of the tent of meeting, all three of you. You can see there's a sort of rebuke. I've had enough of this, yeah? I've heard what's going on, and now I'm going to act. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When both of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, um, there stood Miriam, leprous, like snow. Aaron turned towards her and saw that she had leprosy. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, do not hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, O God, please heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? uh, confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on till she was brought back. After that, the people left Hazaroth and encamped in the desert of Paran. He took a a Cushite wife, 
the Cush was a descendant of Ham. Uh, they, they were in Ethiopia. No doubt she was dark-skinned. A lot younger, one assumes, than Miriam. Possibly beautiful. I would think she probably is, because Moses could add the pick of, of everyone. And there was no law against marrying a Cushite. He wasn't being disobedient. And Miriam in her heart had contempt for greatness. Whether she saw this Cushite woman as a foreigner, whether she was jealous, whether she just thought she was going to lose influence because someone else would have Moses' ear, I don't know. But something was burning in her heart. And she begins to gossip with her brother Aaron and sows discord and begins to attempt to usurp leadership. And it says here, clearly, you say, well, why wasn't Aaron struck with, um, with leprosy? Why was it just Miriam? But it does say, that this is the only time in the Bible that it says Miriam and Aaron rather than Aaron and Miriam. Seems to me that in the story, for the story to be uh, to, to be righteous in a sense, that Miriam was the one that was instigating this with Aaron. They began to talk against Moses. Now Miriam and Aaron probably had a good a, a good relationship. They'd been together for eighty years when Moses was away. And she wanted to stand against Moses' authority. Has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? Why do you have to listen to him all the time? Why do we think everything he does is right? I don't think this is right that he's married this woman. And in this, you see, Moses didn't need to defend himself. God defends his anointed. And he cares for the humble. And he rebuked Miriam and she became leprous for seven days. And seven days she had to be put outside of the camp and it was through a brother, Moses' prayer, that, that she was restored. He said, look, don't you understand that I give visions to prophets but I speak to Moses face to face weren't you afraid when you spoke against my servant Moses was there no fear in you was there no awe was there no respect and no, no honour and it's a sad picture that for seven days she was covered with leprosy. Once, as a prophetess, she would draw the people to her, to hear. Now they would run from her for fear of becoming leprous themselves. And there was no ministry. After this, for, for 38 years later, not a single verse about Miriam until in Numbers 20, verse Chapter 20, verse 1, just before they enter the promised land, 
Remember, Moses didn't, just before Moses died. It just says in chapter 20, verse 1, Miriam died and was buried. Full stop. End of story. Her life was blighted by jealousy and personal ambition. She, she lost influence in trying to grasp power. And she dishonoured the Lord's anointed. She was no longer content to live in the presence of greatness. A bit like Adam and Eve, really. They weren't content to live in the presence of greatness of God. They wanted to be like him. They wanted to eat of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. They wanted to be the ones that determined just as all of a sudden Miriam wanted to be elevated to grasp what was not hers. So where's the crunch in this lovely story? Well, turn with me to Romans 13. This is, you see, this is so important. This is so hugely important, this, that we grasp this. How that we can, I don't know, just, just be satisfied to, to want to honour when others are being blessed to rejoice when we feel that maybe we have missed out to not miss out ourselves, how to always hold people in esteem even though they don't always operate properly in the way we would think she was not that it's wrong to criticise someone I don't mean criticise but talk to their face and say I feel what you've done is wrong that's quite acceptable with God. She could have gone to Moses and said, what's all this about Cushanite wife? Hmm. Are you sure it's right? And yeah, that, that's, that's okay. Leaders are not above being questioned, but they are above being dishonoured. They are above us acting unrighteously towards them. And so, in Romans 13, in the first two verses, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. And I believe this is both, um, in a sense, secular and it's within the church. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Hmm, that's one of the tough scriptures in, uh, in the New Testament. It says rebellion is wrong. And if we rebel, 
then we're going to bring judgment upon ourselves. And this, if, if anything, was so succinctly a description of, of the whole story of Miriam, this is it. And it's ultimately Christ. We live in the presence of true greatness, Jesus Christ. And we have to be very, very, very careful the way we think and the way we speak about him. That we don't dishonor him. Do you know that, that I come, this is where I end. Hallelujah. That the church has lost all. The whole issue is that Miriam lost awe in her brother. I mean, always, ultimate awe is only for God, but we can be in awe of, of, of others because of God in them and the way God uses them without feeling jealous. He doesn't use me like that. Hmm. You know, it's the same with Saul and David, isn't it? You know, they were rejoicing about David sort of in, in battle, how victorious he was, and Saul got the hump. And the church has lost awe, and what? Awe is our response to something that is vast. I have awe when I look at the, at night, I look into the sky. I get overcome with an awe of vastness. But there's one who created that. How much awe should I be, should I show towards him? And the outworking of, of respect and honour. Instead of wanting to do what is right in my eyes. You know, there, there should be something that Carol often says that when something's spoken or something's said, she gets goosebumps. So the hairs on her neck feel like they stand up. It's that sort of moment. I remember when we went to Israel and we were on this, um, where the centurions were, where Jesus was, was taking the soldiers. And the, the guy had said, you know, you're standing on a bit of ground where probably Jesus stood. And at that moment, that sort of sense of awe came upon me. And it makes us humble. The thing that keeps me humble is his greatness. When I lose sight of his greatness, it's the opposite of John the Baptist. That for him to increase, I must decrease. Well, there's another side to that point. When I increase, he decreases in my sight. This vastness, this, this awe would inspire me to greatness myself. To believe in great things. To believe in this amazing God who is my Lord, Saviour and friend and encourager and empowerer because I hold him in that sense 
Not as him upstairs, but as the creator of all things. Should inspire me to greatness. And the tragedy is Miriam just lost it. That we should be moved by it. And may it be. May the, the wonder of, 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 of Miriam and what she was and by God's grace she didn't stay leprous. But she never ever returned to really where she was. May that not be for us. May we, in, in a sense, just give ourselves to, to him totally because he's everything that we sang about and more. As much as lovely as those, those songs were, they were all an understatement of the true majesty of God. Shall we pray?